Hello and welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. I'm not Mike, which is probably where we throw you. And I'm joined today by someone else who isn't Mike. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not Conrad either. <laughs> so it's not them at all. No, it's uh, it's Joel and Matt here again. Um, Hello. How are you doing, Matt? Yes, very good, Joel. How are you? Oh, fine, fine. Just getting ready for those wonderful Gen Con moments. Not far now. So you're going to be travelling big flights ahead of you. How are you? I am. Uh, how are you going to spend the time? Well, it's you know, eight hours of flight, so I was thinking, you know, take my iPad over and maybe stick a Game Boy Advance in there for some extra games. But I'm finding myself struggling to find new games that I'm kind of enjoying. So I thought you could help me out with that. Oh, I certainly can. It's almost like that was planned and professional or something, Joe. Yeah, it's very unlike us. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about some uh, some board games you can pick up on your mobile tablet. Um, I have a couple of board games on there. Um, okay. I kind of like playing sometimes the app version rather than a board game, simply because the setup and takedown time is nothing on an app. Yeah, it, it really helps you kind of get your... Um, you head around some of the strategies and uh, maybe clear up a couple of the, the unclear rules as well, I find. Yeah, yeah. The, the two real benefits. And obviously the size and the, the portability of the uh, the device makes it uh, really appealing when you're traveling in a way. And uh, a lot of them offer pass and play features. So if you're standing in a line, you can pass it around the guys and, and play while you're waiting. Yeah, I've got. Th- I think I've got three board games that sort of sit resident on my iPad. Okay. Um, that, I, that tend to always stay there, and that's Ticket to Ride. Yep. Um, which I really like the original version of. Okay. And some of the 1910 variants. Okay. I. Not such a fan of Europe. I, but. Yeah, I was going to say I'm a, I'm a big. I've kind of always played Europe. Um, though the Ticket to Ride, kind of the the online uh, the mobile implementation is really really strong um in fact mm. it's it's so good i really struggle to play the board game now um uh, yeah so for those <laughs> those of you who don't know ticket to ride it's um probably one of the the great kind of gateway games into board games it's a uh a train game where you're trying to compete to connect up railway lines um and you do this by kind of collecting sets of different colours. When you match a certain number of cards, so, for example, you might need to get three greens to connect a line, you play three green cards, you put your tokens down on the line, and and you score the points for that. And then there's additional objectives in there for the person who's able to connect certain cities or have the longest routes, areas like that. Um, I think where the game really shines is is not just the mechanics, but it's when you you get to a certain point where you're able to kind of predict where your opponent's going and you're you're taking their lines that you want. It's got a real uh, gotcha kind of uh, emotion to it. It's uh, nothing greater than when you uh, just sneak in your taking the line that your opponent's been busily collecting cards for for the last five turns and see their face drop. Nothing more annoying when someone blocks off that one spot. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Just between you where you connect, you'd connect two, two of your eyes together and get a very long route and you have to work your way back around again. Yeah. Oh, oh. frustrating. It's good. But, yeah, so it's got a, a kind of great game. and it, Because of its theme and it's very light, it, it loves it. My my wife plays this quite a bit, actually. She's a, a big fan of, uh, of this game uh, as well, so it, it's a big hit. Um it's got an interesting history in terms of its um, mobile device um, application. You know, it's, uh, the C- the old CEO of Days of Wonder came out and was talking about uh, it was one of the first games to actually be put onto um, 
tablets and, uh, and games. Okay. And th- there was a big fear from the board game community that this was going to kill off sales. But what they actually found is that it had a massive spike in sales for, for Ticket to Ride. It brought a lot of people in because they were able to learn and play the game on their devices, and then they would go and buy a physical copy to, either, either as a gift or to be able to play it, you know, friend, yeah. with friends and family. So uh, this really won a lot of the more reserved kind of publishers over to, to getting their games onto um, onto a mobile platform. So it's it's really cheap. Um, I think in the UK it's it's usually on sale for around 70p, so about a dollar, maybe two dollars, uh, and you just hours of fun I've had with it per, uh, already, and it, I think it's available on both tablets and phones. Yeah, and the playtime's really quite quick. I mean, once you're in the floor of it, you know, you, you can play a full game through in seven or, seven or eight minutes. Yeah, definitely. So you can just keep playing and playing and playing if you want to. So if you and, and I've been known to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're in the mood for um, a Euro game, kind of a where I might say you might want pay attention to is a, is a game called Lords of Waterdeep. Have you heard of this board game before? I have. That's, that's the Forgotten Realms themed one, isn't that's it? That's right, yeah. The TSR universe, Wizards now. So it's it's themed as a as a Forgotten Realms uh, in the city of, of Waterdeep, so if anybody's familiar with something like Baldur's Gate, they'll, they'll be familiar with these kind of things. Um, and it's uh, covering of... Um, your kind of attempt to control the city and you do this by gaining victory points uh some people say it's got quite a weak theme but i quite like it and it introduces mechanics known as worker placements so you'll have three or four five pawns that you can place on the board and when you place them in certain locations you get a benefit and only you can place your pawn there on that turn and then at the end of the turn you take all the pawns off and and you start again and what you do okay. in this game is you'll go around the city collecting different coloured cubes, and the different coloured cubes represent different adventurers. So orange happens to be fighters, and black are for rogues. And then you have to try and complete quests. So you know it'll be you know descend into the underdark and kill a beholder, and you'll need four fighters and uh, two wizards and, and and a rogue or something like that. And you'll only send an amount of victory points for that. But some of the quests have uh, ongoing effects that will give you benefits as you go through the game. Um, And the other thing that happens is you can build new buildings across the board. Uh, You take an action, you pay a certain amount of gold, and you build the building, um, which then becomes an action space that you can use, which are usually more powerful than what you initially start with. Um, Mm -hmm. And you retain ownership of it. So what happens when someone goes to that space and uses it is that they'll get the benefit, but you'll also get a small benefit from it as well. Okay, so it's you know, well, it sounds like an interesting game. But where do you where do you find the sort of draw, the draw comes for you? Which bit of it do you enjoy most? Of which we'll come back to Water to Waterdeep. I think it's probably uh, it's the mechanics of the game. It's got a really elegant, um, streamlined system. It's uh, got a, a kind of good strategy that you can kind of create, and you're often working towards these short term goals. So you know, it's how do I complete this quest and get my next quest? Everybody's got secret objectives, so they want to complete certain types of quests, and each quest is themed. Either it's you know a warfare quest or what's called skullduggery, uh, and, and so on. So there's lots of different um, options around there. Um, so it's it's got a good a, a good good flexible play style. You know whether you want to just go for trying to complete as many quests as possible, or do you want to build lots of uh, buildings and, and, and get a lot of benefit from people using your your spaces from that area. Okay. Cool. 
So cool. I thought one I might have to walk in two. How much would that cost me if I was going to get it for the flight? I think it's about five pounds. Okay, so it's not the cheapest step out there, but it sounds like a decent one. No, and it's quite. Um, and then you can get two expansions, which come in at about three pounds each. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. not, not necessarily cheap, but if you want to see more of an in-depth rule review, I think there's a free, well, no, it's, a, it's a video on online, and it's about 10 minutes long, and it'll take you through the full gameplay as well. Nice. Worth checking out. Cool. Well, what else? Another one, that, so another one that I have that constantly sits on my pad is Small World. Okay. Um, Small World is a game that I, I actually picked up ages ago and then never opened. Okay. It's, it's one of those, uh, so I'll, oh yes, I'll like to play that, and then just never got around to opening the board game, just a busy stuff, you know, life happens. Yeah. Uh, and then I played it with uh, my the friends at the Squigs, because yeah. Ben Halford also has a copy. And in that way we go, ooh, I kind of like this quite a lot, and got the app very quickly. So <laughs> start playing it more and more and more. Um, and the board game came out and started getting played here at home as well. Yeah. Uh, Small is an interesting world game. It's a kind of fantasy feel to it as well. And there's a whole source of different races in it. There's ogres and trolls and lapmen and dwarves and elves and humans and all the rest of it. Uh, and the mechanic, the way the game sort of gets replayability is that um, all these characters, all these races can be paired with a particular trait. So like pillaging uh, or seafaring or flying. Yeah. So you could have flying dwarves or seafaring sorcerers or uh, merchant tritons or something like that. <laughs> and because these mix, these mix around a bit, other traits and the races have particular powers and abilities and the combinations can be quite strong. Yeah. And your idea is to try and spread out and take over a world. Um, and as you sort of, you know, you expand, you place your forces down and, you know, you need so many, so many of your force to take over a particular spot and there's a dice roll to give you a little bit of flexibility in there and a bit of luck. Um, and but sooner or later you're going to run out of you, you run out of races to spawn more um, because you know you just you spread out across so many places to try and get gold that you run out of race tokens to place down. So at that point you put your race into decline and take a new race pairing out, mm-hmm. and it's knowing when to do that as well. Yeah, um, and kind of spread out so you can end up conquering the most territory. And at the end of every one of your turns you gain the amount of gold based on the territory you've got, and it's whoever's got the most gold at the end of the game wins. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that makes one of the the interesting mechanics, doesn't it? The, the sort of bidding for races. So yeah. you do have those really unbalanced races. Uh, essentially, there's a track of races, and the ones at the bottom are cheaper. But if you want to take something that's further up the track, you have to pay gold to the other races, and the gold is the victory points. Um, yeah. So that kind of creates a, a which one do I go for, and how mu- how much am I willing to sacrifice for it? And given the state of the game. Um, and the particular combinations that have been weighed out, you've got some really interesting um, you know, choices to make there. Um, so yeah, it's, again, it's a fairly quick and easy one to play, and the app, I think, wasn't expensive, just two or three pounds. No, it's Days of Wonder again, so same guys yep. that did Ticket to Ride. Um, yep. Yeah, just, just a fantastic game, really. Um, yep. If you kind of always like the idea of Risk, but maybe didn't love, love Risk all that much, this is this is perfect, really, to go into. Yeah. It's risk with a little less work and a little more skill. Yeah, definitely. And the 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 sort of themes that you get, the different combinations of races, I find really fun, really interesting. Uh, you know, nothing like merchant orcs or something like that. You can just imagine how that might fit into a Dungeons and Dragons campaign or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's some really fun ones out there. Yeah, definitely. And it's got quite a tongue-in-cheek art style, hasn't it, as well? 
Yeah, very cartoony. Yeah, so it's good. So talking of uh, orcs and goblins, uh, perhaps a little bit uh, less whimsical and, and more serious, but uh, as we're, we're both miniature games, what about uh, Warhammer Quest on the iPad? Oh, I see. I think I might have tried that. Okay. But then I think the app's kind of either got deleted or moved off or something, so I haven't done it in a long time. Yeah. Well, they've 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 released a whole bunch more content since then. You can add oh, Skaven okay. and Undead. Obviously, it's a Games Workshop IP product, so you're going to pay a, a fair amount for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it's the old. Um, Warhammer Quest for those guys who, for those of you not familiar with it, it's a it's a dungeon crawl. You'll take control of a party of four heroes uh, mm-hmm. from the Warhammer world, and that initially the the initial four are kind of your traditional wizards, barbarian, dwarf, elf. But you can buy obviously um, more heroes, so you can have a troll slayer or a witch hunter. I can't have anything that you've really seen in in Warhammer. I think you can even get war dancers, um, and you cool. go go into a, a procedurally ge- generated dungeon with an objective you fight all the monsters there try and survive, take the XP level up, go back to town, buy more gear it's basically just like playing Dungeons and Dragons in a Warhammer setting isn't it? Mm-hmm, yeah, pretty much Pretty much. Um, it's a lot of fun, it's very engrossing, it's got a, a kind of good blend between uh, an RPG roleplay game um, in terms of you know you, your heroes get stronger as they go and, and a kind of a board game t- tactical miniature game so it, it, quite a good um, option for you to consider if you happen to, to be a, a war gamer looking for something on the flight yeah well I think that will certainly keep me uh, entertained yeah. if I'm fancying something other than sort of fancy based is there anything else you can recommend for me so, there's a lot I can recommend one of my personal favourites is probably one of my personal favourite board games as well um, now it, it's not a cheap one but it, it's got a lot of value to it. It's called Heroes um, Sentinels of the Multiverse. So this is a, a, a in its board game form. It's a cooperative game. So that means that everybody plays on the same team against the against the game essentially. And it's uh, a modular game where you're fighting against a a villain. Um, and there's a range of what I can best describe as non-IP infringing uh, villains that you take <laughs> on. So, and, and the whole thing is very... Um, nothing is kind of an IP infringing. So one of the main heroes is kind of a a big, strong guy with a cape who leads a team of superheroes and seems to be slightly invulnerable and has laser eyes and uh, is strong as well and can fly, but he's definitely but he's definitely, definitely not Superman. Not Another one is is a it's a woman, but you know she comes from a, a rich background. She dresses up in a cape. Uh, is probably the world's greatest detective, um, uh, yeah. and she you know, has a utility belt with a range of gadgets that she uses to fight crime. But uh, mm. they, they all have a slight twist in them. So you know, um, yeah, she she's uh, she's from a trust. She, the Batman character is a, is a woman, and there's a few other things. The Aquaman character isn't from Earth; he's an alien that's come to Earth, and things. So, it's just just slightly different twists on that side. And actually, it's got quite a lot of lore behind it when you dig into it. Um, okay. And you, so you assemble a team of superheroes to go out and take that, take on a villain, and, and again, you pick from a from a range of villains. The, the initial base game comes with four villains. I think about 10 heroes in about four different environments. And you also fight in different environments. And they're classic superhero things. So they, you've obviously got you know, the major city 
Um, but you also can go to the ruins of Atlantis or fight on Mars or, or go to kind of the, the dinosaur land that, that everyone seems to have forgotten exists somewhere. Um, <laughs> and the, the villain will be much more powerful than each of your individual heroes. It's very simple uh. mechanics. The, the villain plays a card, does what the actions are on the card. That card, if it's an ongoing, stays in play. If it's not, it goes to the discard pile. Um, and then that, that might then... Uh, stay in play and, and do something every turn while it's still in turn. Then the um, heroes take their actions. They get to play a card. They get to perform a, an action, and they get to um, draw another card. Really, very simple mechanics. All the complexity, a little bit like magic, comes from what the cards do and how they interact once they're played. Um, right. Okay. And it's it's a tough game in that there's a lot of shifting sands. So you'll think you'll be on top, and then a card will come out of say the environment deck that completely negates what your your game plan was. Um, it's really modular, as I say. That they've got a couple of different expansions, and if you if you mix and match those up, you can have a lot of different combinations. You know, each expansion usually comes with about four more villains and a couple more heroes, and a couple more locations to be fighting them in. Um, there's a lot of online support. It's a very meaty game. You know, it, it starts with and each each hero has a different difficulty curve of how complex they are to play. So there's some really right, straightforward okay. heroes that, that make sense. There's some ones that, um, yeah, for example, the, the most complex hero, he starts and his only power is to injure himself, and that's all he can do. But as you collect more cards, see the way he takes, you can make it so when he takes damage, he does more things. So um, quite quite a meaty uh, game to get into and certainly benefits a lot from expansions. Now, it is quite an expensive app, as I remember. I think it's maybe £8 to buy just the base set, and then you've got to buy some expansions on that. Um, but once you're in, it, it's a game with a lot of playability and a, and a lot of fun, so I've I've enjoyed that a, a huge amount. Well, you certainly give me some interest to look out for, and I'm pretty sure my flight is going to be fairly full now. Yeah. That's... I wonder if you could charge iPads on planes. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was on a Virgin uh, Delta flight, and you could you could charge it on there. So, yeah. They, they yeah do it. That looks like I might need to. Yeah. And I think that wraps up our first episode. Okay, perfect. Thanks very much, Joe. Yeah. So I've been Joel. I've been Matt. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter, we're at Fools Underbar Daily, or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com. <laughs>